together in our call to worship. Come to the water, all you who thirst. Come to the water, all you who are weary. Come to the water, all you who long for justice. Let us worship God. Though our world is filled with the grandeur and love of God, in the words of poet William Wadsworth, the world is too much with us, too filled with treasures we neglect, 
too filled with pain we transmit, too burdened with injustices we prolong. We lament that not only is the world not as it should be, as God meant it to be, but that we are not the people we should be. As we come before God confessing what is wrong in ourselves, we open up to the possibility of God's grace flowing more fully through us so that the world better fits God's vision for it. Confident in God's capacity to work in and through us still, let us confess using our corporate prayer of confession. Let us pray. Tender-hearted God, you seek us out and embrace us. You are a well of love and grace. But we close off our hearts to you, doubtful that anyone could care for us as you claim to do. And our hearts of stone turn to clenched fists, greed and violence, as we mirror the unhealthy and false paths in our societies. Forgive us for failing to recognize your closeness and refusing to share your goodness with our neighbors. Open our hearts so that we may love, protect, heal, and share as you do. Amen. As far as the heavens are from the earth, so far has God removed our wrongdoing from us. Rejoice, dear ones, knowing that you are loved, reconciled, and freed. Let our past not burden us, and let God's future beckon us. Hear the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. God's grace be with you all, and welcome to worship at Fourth Presbyterian Church of Chicago on this beautiful July morning, the sixth Sunday after Pentecost. We hope that whether you are visiting with us for the first few times or call this community your spiritual home, that you will leave here today with your heart warmed, your mind renewed, and your spirit encouraged by what you hear and experience in our congregation. In that spirit of welcome, I invite you to share the peace of Christ with your neighbors in the pews. Whether that's a friendly wave or handshake and embrace, let your kindness communicate God's love this morning. And to those joining us online, we invite you at this time to let us know your presence by filling out the pew pads found via the QR code or the link below the video description on your screen. We extend God's welcome to you. And now for all who are present here in the sanctuary and online, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Let us share God's peace with each other.
Amen. Friends, summer continues to be a time of activity here in the fourth community as we keep our youth and adults traveling to the American church in Paris in prayer this week alongside local Chicago youth participating in our Chicago Lights Summer Day program here on our church campus. As well, we keep in mind our urban farm on Chicago Avenue blossoming in full summer splendor and now equipped with love fridges for our community. There is indeed much happening in the fourth church community and many ways to deepen your experience of it. Hope that you will take a few minutes to look at the news and opportunities section of the bulletin for more details. And while you do so, please, uh, those of you who are in the sanctuary, fill out the pew pads on either ends of your pews, passing them to the middle and then back again, so that you might notice the names of those seated next to you and greet them before you leave here today after the worship service. I want to just tell you about a few things happening in our community you'll want to keep in mind. We have just launched our annual school supply drive organized by Women at Fourth. And for a list of those items that we're collecting, I encourage you to look in your worship bulletin. Also, you'll find more information about our knitting and crocheting group, free outdoor concerts over the lunch hour on Fridays, You'll find out about Bible studies and more ways to connect with our congregation via social media. And then finally, we hope that you won't leave here today without having some coffee and treats during coffee hour, which because of this wonderful weather will be held outside in the courtyard in the Garth. And as well, you can pray with a deacon after worship in Stone Chapel, just to the right of the pulpit. Again, welcome to Fourth Presbyterian Church this morning. We have lots of energy this morning in the front row. <laughs> all good, all good. Let us, uh, let us begin. Friends, obeying the word of our Lord Jesus Christ in confidence of his promises, we baptize all those whom God has called, and we give particular thanks this morning for Charlotte, Georgina, Vivian, Luca, Bolden, George, and Campbell, and we also give thanks for Augustus, who comes for a reaffirmation of baptism. In baptism, God claims us and seals us to show that we belong to God. God frees us from sin and death, uniting us with Christ. And by water and the Holy Spirit, we are made members of the church, the body of Christ, and joined with God's ministry of love, peace, and justice. Let us remember with joy our own baptism as we celebrate this sacrament. And parents, would you stand with your children, please? I have some questions I'd like for you to answer this morning. Do you desire that your children be baptized? Do you? 
Do you, as their parents, confess your own faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and do you trust in him? Do you? And relying on God's grace, do you intend your children to be Christ's disciples, to obey God's living word, and to show God's love? Thank you. You may be seated. And now Jenny Giblin, a member of our church's session, has a question for the entire congregation. In our Presbyterian tradition, the congregation as a whole takes responsibility for nurturing those baptized into the life of the church. Do you, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture these children by word and deed, with love and prayer, encouraging them to know and follow Christ, and to be faithful members of Christ's church? If so, please say, we do. And let us pray. We give you thanks, eternal God, for you nourish and sustain all living things by the gift of water. In the beginning of time, your spirit moved over the watery chaos, calling forth order and life. In the waters of the Jordan, Jesus was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. By the baptism of his own death and resurrection, Christ sets us free from sin and death and opened the way to eternal life. Gracious God, we pray now that you do pour out your Holy Spirit upon this water, that this spot may be a place of new birth. As these children pass through these waters, may be delivered from life to death, from bondage to freedom, from sin to righteousness. Strengthen them to serve you with joy until the day you make all things new. To you be all praise, honor, and glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Jenny, would you present the candidates for baptism? George and Casey Dorman present their child, Charlotte, for baptism. Charlotte, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Charlotte, child of the covenant, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit in baptism and you are marked as Christ's own forever. Paul and Mackenzie Escobar present their child Georgina James for baptism. Would the sponsors please stand? Georgina James, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Georgina, child of the covenant, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. Hi. You can be seated. Brad and Stephanie Martin present their child, Vivian Elise, for baptism. Hi, Vivian. Hi, little. Hi, Vivian. Yeah, you can put some water in your hand. Georgina, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
And Georgina, child of the covenant, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. Amen. You may be seated. James and Haile Schmidt present their child, Luca June, for baptism. Would the sponsors please stand? Luca June, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Child of the Covenant, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. Amen. You may be seated. Taylor and Grace Ann Wood present their child, Bolden Matthew, for baptism. Bolden Matthew, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Bolden, child of the covenant, you have been sealed as Christ's own, and marked as Christ's own forever. Amen. I think you already got baptized. <laughs> we have lots of candidates up here. Andrew and Alyssa Wickman present their children, George and Campbell, for baptism. Would the sponsors please stand? Hi, Campbell. Campbell, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Campbell, child of the covenant, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. Amen. George, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And George, child of the covenant, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. Amen. Thank you. Christopher Kelly and Sean Donnelly present their child, Augustus Gaylord, for a reaffirmation of baptism, baptized in the Church of England, February 2nd, 2020. Would the sponsors please stand? Hi, Augustus. Even though Augustus has already been baptized at his church in England during the pandemic, we are part of your congregation. So we reaffirm his baptism today and remind him that he is a child of God and sealed by the Spirit in his baptism and marked as, God, as God's own forever. And so I will make a mark on your head. Beautiful. Thank you. You may be seated. So I would now invite all of the families to stand, if you would, and face the congregation. These children are the newest members of our church family, and it is with thanksgiving that we welcome them to share in Christ's ministry, and it is with joy that we will watch them grow into the person that God called them to be. So in gratitude to God, let us welcome them into this congregation.
and you. And you may be seated. Let us pray. Merciful and loving God, you have called each of us by name, and you hold each of us through your love. We now ask that you watch over each of these children as they grow up, that you would guide them in every step that they take, increase their compassion for others, and inspire them to make a difference in this world, and help them to know that you love them and that they are your beloved children, and help their parents to teach their faith to them and grow them into the people that you have called them to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May the grace of God and the love of Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Let us pray. Testify to us, O God, by the voice of your spirit. Put your law in our hearts, write your word in our minds, and show your will in our lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 145, verses eight through 14. Listen now for God's word to us. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his compassion is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your faithful shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to all people your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom 
and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our sermon text today comes from Genesis chapter 24. The story actually begins at the first verse, though I will start reading at verse 34, so I'll give you a little context. So in the first verses of this chapter, Abraham sends his servant to his home country to seek a wife for Isaac. He speaks to Laban, the servant speaks to Laban, the son of Abraham's cousin. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master and has become wealthy. He has given him many flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female slaves, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and he has given him all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I live, but you shall go to my father's house, to my kindred, and get a wife for my son. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you will only make successful the way I am going, I am standing here by the spring of water. Let the young woman who comes out to draw, to whom I say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink, and who will say to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has anointed my master's son. Before I had finished speaking, In my heart, there was Rebekah coming out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew. And I said to her, please let me drink. And she quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will also water your camels. So I drank, and she also watered the camels. And I said to her, whose daughter are you? And she said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put a ring on her nose and bracelets on her arms, and then I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to obtain the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. So then, if you will deal loyally and truly with my master, tell me, 
and if not, tell me that I may turn either to the right hand or to the left. And they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? She said, I will. And they sent away their sister Rebekah and her nurse along with Abraham's servants and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, May you, our sister, become thousands of myriads. May your offspring gain possession of the gates of their foes. Then Rebekah rose up with her maids, mounted the camels, and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had come from Beer Lahai Roy and was settled in Negev. Isaac went out in the evening to walk in the field and looked up and saw the camels coming. And Rebekah looked up, and when she saw Isaac, she slipped quickly from the camel and said to the servant, Who is this man over there walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself, and the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. He took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Holy wisdom holy word. Thanks be to God. So often in the Bible there is the text and the context and then the subtext of the story. And it's hard sometimes to know whether we should pay attention to what part of that in the story itself or to pay attention to what might be rumbling in the background, a message behind the message. The chunks of this particular story, the story of Abraham and Sarah's miracle baby Isaac finding a wife, seems pretty straightforward. Dad, Abraham, is coming to the end of his very long life. His story, of course, began with a word from God for him to go from his homeland of Ur to the land of the Canaanites. And he and Sarah have had an astonishing promise fulfilled that they would have a child in their old age. So Isaac arrives with a wink and a smile and great laughter from Mama. He has also gone through his range of dangers and toils, not the least of which was him coming within a hair's breadth of being sacrificed by his father on the mountain. But that's all past, and this moment his mother, Sarah, has died. Ancient Abraham is in grief and sees it's time to pass on his wealth to his son and ensure his future by finding a wife for Isaac. So with sights set on the calling from God that took him on that circuitous and grand adventure, the future has yet to be fulfilled and Abraham calls his servant of the house and confides in him that he wants Isaac to have a wife from his home country. 
The servant, who must have had a very close relationship with Abraham, wonders out loud if this is a very realistic proposition. What if I find the right woman, but she won't come? I might need to take Isaac back to the old country. Nope, says Abraham. If she won't come, you are off the hook. So the servant takes gifts, camels, and a whole lot of uncertainty and sets out for Abraham's home country. Well, this is the launch of the text or the story. And behind the story, of course, is the context or the backdrop, the continuous narrative arc of challenges in the early blessed ones who listen to God's call, hear the promise, face uncertainty, come to a precipice, and out of deep faith, trust in the sustaining presence of God. It is an undeniable need that in order to live into that promise of children as many as the stars, that a wife must be found. And in this case, that person is miles away and there's immense uncertainty whether A, the servant sent by Abraham will be able to know who the right one is, and B, if chosen one is evident, if she will cooperate. So the overarching context is one of sheer blessing of God and God's love for family and the promise that is at the core of this. Yet in this story, this very romantic, gentle, serene story, God's part is not very evident. There are no earthquakes, no fire on the mountain, no burning bush. The workings of God here are not spectacular and magical or odd. It arises from profound gratitude of the actors who respond to God, the servant, Rebecca. Laban, her brother, and their father, when the gifts of life and love and deep respect are bestowed. And then, of course, there are the various subtexts, which I've named, like blessing and faithful response. But there's also sort of like a subtext of a little comic edge to this story. It's a random set of circumstances. A visitor from a far country comes down to town bearing gifts, for someone they don't know, the servant doesn't know what she looks like or whether she is possibly there at all, and whether she will walk out of the tent right at the perfect moment, randomly offering the camels a drink and the guest a drink. It sounds kind of like a fictitious spoof, but on the other hand, the natural sequence of affairs holds more than meets the eye. But one thing in all of this story is very certain. You never know what's coming. Did Rebecca have a clue that day that the servant sent from her first cousin once removed Abraham would be a day that would change her entire life? Did that servant, when he thought to himself or prayed to God or chatted it up with the camels, know that when the right one showed up at the well, and even if she did, he implied that maybe she would give a drink to the camel or in so many words to her that she would be the right one. 
Did he think it would happen just as he thought? Hmm. And what about Isaac, who was likely sitting Shiva with the passing of his mother? We don't know if he was clued in by his papa about the activity that was going on in the old country, Ur. But it all kicks into gear, and with a ready trust and a leaning into the blessings of God, the sequence of events has more and more involved than meets the eye. In essence, the subtext of this story is actually an amazing love story, a love story with so many dimensions. It is the vast, reaching love of God between Abraham and Sarah. It is the vast, unreaching, reaching love of God that emerges between Abraham and Isaac when a ram in a thicket sames the day. It is the reaching love of God that arises from a risky plot that completely depended on the consent of a young woman who ventured out to a well and her life changed in a nanosecond. And this leads to the tender and moving conclusion of Rebecca packing up, journeying to an unknown future, scanning the horizon for the one she is to marry, and into her mother-in-law's tent, she goes to launch a future that leads us where? It actually leads us right here, in this place, grounded in that uncanny plot of God's faithful story and persistent love for them and for us. And it won't stop because that sweeping love continues in this day in the way that God's gift comes to us in Jesus Christ. And the truth of the matter is, you never know where it will show up, where God will show up. I think in our own lives, we encounter many unexpected, you never know what's coming times. Often it seems that there are not the unexpected things that we relish. With so much social unrest, heartbreaking disappointment in our own lives, there are so many situations that jerk us around the you-never-know reality that we may feel at times like we are kind of in endless trauma. Take racial unrest across every sector of this country including the dismantling of affirmative action. Take war and political alignments that are shaking the foundations of any predictability. Take the aftermath of COVID or the deep harm being done to our GLBTQIA siblings. Indeed, much of what is showing up is unsettling and unwelcome. And I often look for signposts when I feel overwhelmed, a kind of GPS for the soul. And so when a blog from my friend Diana Butler Bass, a social commentator, came in my email this week, I opened it to discover a remarkably helpful perspective to this thing of you never know. Looking at the worlds that take shape today, Butler Bass draws on the insight of Brown University historian William McLaughlin. Dr. McLaughlin gives a fascinating perspective 
on the difference between a cultural revival and a cultural awakening. Revivals, says McLaughlin, are essentially rituals of personal religious renewal that are often emotional and always involve conversion of some sort. And by contrast, an awakening is a much larger event. Awakenings are movements in cultural revitalization that eventuate in basic restructuring of our institutions and redefinition of our social goals, revivals, and awakenings occur in all cultures. They reshape identity, transform worn-out patterns and systems, and engender social change. So what does this have to do with Isaac and Rebecca? Well, it has to do with the fact that we are in a time of great cultural change, just as they were. And I truly believe that in many ways that the landing of that great awakening happened in their lives as they trusted God to be present to them. And that great awakening may well be the message that arises out of their commitment in this very congregation. A deep revitalization could be rumbling under the very ground on which we stand. And the scripture lesson we encountered today is a trustworthy servant who was sent on a mission to find a wife for a man to be a blessing for past and future. And it's a mighty reminder that you absolutely never know what this moment in time may hold. And even more, you never know when the power of yes, I will go may arise from your lips and you will pack up and step boldly into the future. Truly, this is a great awakening. Part of what comes to us is the congregation of Fourth Presbyterian Church that does arise from this story is that the new day in our life is ahead of us. Abraham knew that his legacy necessitated finding a wife for his son. He knew that the blessedness of his own life had to be lived out in the next generation. So also the faith with which we are engaged is not a little spark that gets extinguished by the storms of life, but it is a burning passion in our lives that trust that God is not done yet. It's akin to what theologian Karl Barth preached in Basel, Switzerland prison in 1955 when he said, the term, by grace you have been saved, does not mean a little courage and a little comfort and a little relief. It means to be pulled out like a log from a burning fire. Sometimes the word and work of God startles us, challenges us, sends us into life with uncanny power. It might come like the word to Abraham to go from his homeland to a land God would show him. And at other times, the word and work of God arises on any old day without much flair or fanfare, like at a well when someone meets up with a menagerie of camels or a herd of little kids or a carload of teens who need a drink and you're kind because that's who you are and the rest, they say, is history. 
And sometimes you shock yourself when the call comes to go to a foreign territory, across town or across the globe, and you, like Rebecca, find yourself saying, "Yes, I will go," and you never ever know what is ahead of you. Well, actually, you can trust that the blessed love of God, of Christ Jesus. And the Spirit's fiery light is right there for you. And so, on this day, be ready, be alert, and know that the best is ahead of us this day and forever. Amen. Remain standing as together we affirm what we believe through the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one, one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, the true God, Father, God from God. Light from light, true light from true light, light from light. In the name of the Father, through Him all things were made. For us and our salvation, He came down from heaven. Was He born of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was crucified under a Pontius Pilate suffered and was buried. 
Third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, ascended to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. Believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, proceeds from the Father and the Son, with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We promise one baptism, forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead, life in the world to come. Amen. Please be seated. As we settle back into ourselves, let us calm our hearts, silence all voices, and prepare our hearts and minds for prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving creator, we come before you today with hearts filled with gratitude recognizing your boundless grace and mercy that sustains us through every moment of our lives. We praise you for your unwavering love and the gift of your presence, which brings light and hope into our world. In this time of intercession, we lift up the cries of those in need. Hear our prayers for the marginalized, the oppressed, and the forgotten. May your spirit of justice be a guiding force in our hearts and of leaders and policymakers, inspiring them to enact change that brings about equality and compassion for all. We humbly bring our petitions before you, knowing that you are a God who listens and cares deeply for your children. We ask for healing and strength for those who are sick or suffering, for comfort for those who grieve, and for guidance for those facing difficult decisions. Grant wisdom to those in positions of power and authority that they may use their influence for the betterment of society. Amidst the challenges of life, we are reminded of your faithfulness and provision. We give thanks for the blessings that abound both big and small. We express gratitude for the gift of community, for the support and love we receive from family and friends and even strangers. Help us to cherish and nurture these relationships, fostering unity and understanding in a world often divided. May our lives be a reflection of the transformative power of your grace as we seek to bring about justice, kindness, and compassion in our interactions with others. Grant us strength and courage to be agents of change, living out our faith in tangible ways. In the name of love incarnate, Jesus Christ, we offer this prayer. 
trusting that you hear our words and the yearnings of our hearts as together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. To whom much has been given, from whom much is expected. We have been given so much graciously through God, gifts of time, talent, and treasure. And we now invite you to give your treasure for the sake of enriching the ministries that touch and equip so many lives within and beyond these walls. Your offering may now be received.
us pray. For the wondrous gift of life, we are thankful, O God. Your generous outpouring of grace reminds us of the fruitful life we are called to bear. May these gifts of time and labor therefore embody our desire to share and contribute to your coming reign among us. Amen. Receive now the benediction. Go forth into this world in peace. Be of good courage, hold fast to the good. Give no one evil for evil, support the weak, uphold the faint of heart. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the creator, redeemer, and sustainer of life rest with you and those you love this day and forevermore. Amen.